0: I'm Jack Hampton, and this is the Hampton Hoops Podcast. What up, what up, Coop? How are you doing, my friend? Surviving and throbbing.
1: Broke me, dude.
0: <laughs> Let the fun begin. Let's get it. On today's pod, Coop and I discuss everything you need to know for tonight's Game 3 in Boston, including our predictions for the game itself and our predictions for the Finals MVP. We also touch on everything going on in the offseason. The Lakers new coach having comments about Russell Westbrook, the Blazers targeting a second star to pair with Dame, and a coach stepping down from his position. We discuss all of that and much more, so let's jump into it. What's up, what's up, Coop? How are you doing, my friend? Oh, uh, as always,
1: surviving and thriving.
0: Love to hear it. Love to hear it. We have two games down the hatch for this year's NBA Finals. Game one was an absolute thriller. We couldn't ask for a better game, and game two was the complete opposite. Uh, it was two third-quarter runs by Golden State. One was made by equal, if not better, run in game one by Boston, ending that game with 17-0 run. And then in game two, they just had no answer for Golden State. As we go to Boston for Game 3, Coop, how are you feeling heading there to TD Garden? Are you swaying more towards Boston or Golden State? Has your prediction changed? Are you feeling better or worse? How are you feeling about this series right now?
1: I am feeling so confident. You and I literally sat here and said, it has to be 1-1. It cannot be, like, you cannot go down in 0-2 going into TD. It just, you cannot do it. Especially against golden state so them being 1-1 is huge um it the games were kind of flipped from what you and i thought they were gonna be we kind of thought game one was gonna be like what game two was just kind of like an onslaught uh golden state kind of jumping on them and then game two maybe being like what game one was where it was really close um and Celtics just started hitting more shots. So um, I'm really confident. I don't think my prediction changes at all. I still got Celtics in six. Um, and I honestly, I was hoping that that game stayed close, but that third quarter, Jordan Poole and stuff just started oh to guys. go nuclear. So oh they God. actually dominated.
0: <laughs> yeah, they did. And they needed it because Clay was MIA again. And that Jordan Poole half court shot, I mean, my God. they like, m- like dribble move to, to a step back. That was yes. outrageous,
1: bro. Insane.
0: I don't know. Like, I'm with you. My prediction hasn't changed because I'm, s- you know, how married I am to that freaking prediction. <laughs> but <laughs> I've been saying, I've been on Celtics for a long time, but, like honestly, dude, Golden State's starting to worry me because Clay Thompson has played like dog shit the past two games, and they they found a way to lead for about half the game in Game One, and then you know blow Boston out on Sunday. Jordan Poole came back with a much needed Game Two, but do you think Clay gets going? You know, in Game Three and Four, what what is up with him, and do you think it's fixable?
1: I think it is fixable. I mean, you and I both love Clay Thompson. We know that he's capable of much more than 4 of 19 from the field, 1 of 8 from 3 for 11 points. And that's just – I don't know what it is right now, but I just feel like Clay is not – I feel like he's settling too much. Um, That's just kind of what I've seen. Like, we know, like, he's lethal. But I find him, like, every time he gets the ball, he feels like he has to score. Um, And I feel like he's settling way too much. You should not be – tied for like third or fourth in points per points in this game but the number two is in terms of like shots taken so like I feel like he's settling way too much and you saw uh Steve Kerr leave him out there in hopes to like kind of get him in a rhythm I feel he just looks out of rhythm he he doesn't look like himself and I don't know that's probably a test to what Boston's doing to him um but I'm going to be honest, he's had like the two or three games, a series where he's just been like, oh, we're getting Klay Thompson back. And then every other game, it looks like this. So I can't tell if it's just he's forcing it and he's not like trusting his body and his shot to just like work the way it normally does and has all his career or if it's just something that Boston's doing and showing him.
0: I agree, man. And honestly, I would even go a step farther. I think it's one to two game. Two games a series for Clay right now because he has not looked well, and honestly, I shouldn't expect him to. To be fair, because this is a guy that played only 15 to 20 games leading up to the playoffs after missing two years, but still, it's they need Clay Thompson if they want to win this series for sure. Uh, as we, as we move to the Boston side, Hal uh, Horford was a resurrection after <laughs> Game One, but. If Boston wins this series, Steph has obviously been an incredible candidate for this award and will be the easiest choice ever if Warriors win. But if Boston wins, you can't give it to Steph. And honestly, it's tough. It's a tough decision right now who you would give the finals MVP to on the Boston side. So Coop, just after two games, who would you give it to?
1: Man, you, we are back to normal, dude. I, I can't say it enough because I this is literally one of the only questions I had for you about this series was who would you pick for finals MVP from both sides. Um, in my personal opinion, I think it's got to go Jalen Brown. Um, Jason Tatum was MIA in that first game. He looked out of place, and I don't say that very often about my boy JT, but obviously you Like, just following – if we're basing it off of two games, which they're not going to base it off of these first two games, but, like, Jalen Brown has been the most consistent for him. He's played incredible defense. He's making big shots. Um, His field goal percentage wasn't great yesterday, but 5 of seventeen, three of 9. But he still had 17 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists. Um, And I really thought, like, the difference between game one and game two for both Brown and Tatum was you saw in game one they were – Having assists without turnovers, which that had been a major thing uh, for Boston. Without a point guard, it's really been up to Jason Tatum, Mark Smart, and Jalen Brown to facilitate and do things. And you have noticed that in games where they win, their turnover or their assist to turnover ratio is pretty good. But in games where they lose, they have 11 assists to 11 turnovers combined. So, you've noticed there's been a common theme there. So, I'm definitely going to be looking out for that in these next few games. But I think I'd have to roll with my boy Jalen Brown. Um, But who
0: you got? The exact same boat. I'd have to pick Jalen Brown. His numbers haven't been outrageous by any means. But it's just a kind of lesser of all the evils right now. Because you're right. You're (laughs) spot on about Jason Tatum, man. I was looking at his numbers today. They're both averaging around 20 points, him and Jalen Brown. But... JT is shooting 30% from the field and it's just an abysmal rate. A thing that I've noticed watching Jalen Brown these past two games, even though he he would be my pick just after game one and two, is his turnover problem. He's not a guy that, you know, runs the offense or is a point guard or gets them in their sets. But he turns the ball over a lot, and they're just blatant, stupid turnovers. And I feel like that's Boston's Achilles' heel. They can beat anybody, and they have beat everybody in the league when they don't turn it over. But when they turn it over, like they did last night, they lose. And I feel like Jalen Brown, I, for him to take a next step, he needs to fix that, and also the ball handling thing's ridiculous too. I
1: agree, one hundred percent. I just, it's kind of cr- crazy when I turn the game on um because I was driving so I didn't I wasn't like watching watching it but I was paying attention uh yesterday when I turned the game on it was the third quarter when the onslaught started and what's crazy is the momentum shifted after they forced the ball I think it was Mark Smart forced the ball over to Jason Tate or it might have been to Jalen Brown actually um and the ball gets stolen because they trap him. And he tries to throw it to somebody, and it just throws right to Steph. And then all of a sudden, they go down the court. Draymond holds the ball, lets Clay come off a corner, uh, off a screen, and that was the 1-3 Clay made. Um, and you just saw the snowball effect, and it just kind of rolled down the hill for uh, Boston. Because, like, in the first game, yes, Jason Tatum shot horribly, and it was honestly really, like, hard to watch someone shoot as bad as he shot in that first game. It's kind of like what watching Clay Thompson shoot right now is. But, like, he had 13 assists to two turnovers. Mm. And I know we're talking about Jalen Brown's turnover problem, but, like, 13 to two is an impressive assist to turnover ratio for a guy that's not really known as a playmaker. And so I definitely think they're going to need more of that. Yes, Jason Tatum could not miss yesterday. He was shooting the leather off the ball, and it was awesome to watch. But nobody else showed up. Mm. So it's, it's, it's a give and take. And honestly, if I'm Ime Odoka and I'm the Boston Celtics, I'd like a happy medium. I want Jason Tatum to, yes, score and be my highest scorer, but I also need him to facilitate and get other guys involved. I mean, yesterday, Al Horford and them were non existent as far as shooting. Der- Derek White showed up a little bit still with 12 points, um, but Marcus Smart was a whopping two points. Robert Williams, whopping two points. Al Horford, whopping two points. I mean, you got to get more out of those guys. And I think if you're relying on Jason Tatum as your superstar, he has to be the one to get those guys open. uh, Is kind of how they're playing with him right now. So what are you thinking about that? I mean, he going from 13 assists. I mean, that's pretty dang big to to all the way down to three, but 28 points.
0: Yeah. I think I was, I thought it was scary hours for a minute because him and Jalen Brown, I think combined for like 28 of Boston's first 30 points. And in my head, I was like, damn, they're they are going to have a big, big night. But at the same time, I'm like, well, no that means nobody else has gotten going, really. You know, they can try to pass the ball and share it as much as they can. But if nobody comes with them, it doesn't matter. And yeah. I, I posted a video about, God, like Boston won game one. What happens when Jason Tatum gets going? We saw what happened. Nobody else went with him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it was just, he needed help last night. And I get it. We knew that Al Horford percentages were going to come back down to earth and god they went to hell they didn't even <laughs> below earth <laughs> but yeah he he just needs so he they need their role players to show up and i think if they do that they'll be fine yeah. i think you can feel good on both sides if you're a warriors
1: man or a celtics man i agree i agree what'd you uh take from uh draymond green's trash talking yesterday <laughs>
0: Dude, it's like, it never ends. I was, <laughs> I was talking with Trey earlier today. I was like, it, it's so I love him because it's so entertaining, but I hate him at the same time. And like, do you think how did you feel about that second technical foul that should have been called? Because I had texted you, I don't know if you saw it, but with the Jalen Brown thing, it was a weird tangle up. And it <laughs> Draymond had already been teed up in the first part of the game. And I feel like he didn't get thrown out because they're like, "Oh, we know this will be a second technical, we'll throw him out of the game." We don't want to be involved. The refs were probably thinking that. But did you think it should have? He should have been thrown out for that uh, tangle up with uh,
1: Jalen Brown. When in doubt, I always think Draymond should be kicked out. Because <laughs> um, at the end of the day, I swear that man has zero chill, and I feel like the refs have always been like, "Like, yes, there's a fine line with like." Most NBA players, but Draymond has his own NBA player, so we have to like push the line very far up just so he doesn't get kicked out of every single game. Because at the end of the day, if I'm a ref, nine times out of ten I tee up Draymond because he just does some dumb things that just you just look at him you're like, that's not basketball. Like what you're doing is not playing basketball, and that's that's the part that irritates me because did he do his job yesterday yes because he got in the war or in the celtics heads i mean he was uh, aggressive he was physical he did everything that you want draymond to do for your team and it's the it's always that cardinal rule of like the you love him if he's on your team but you hate him if you play against him sort of a thing and so i feel like the refs know that that is what his reputation is and so they just kind of like where most people's line is kind of set here, his line is set just a little bit higher because they know he's going to teeter on that line the entire game. Um, it's the same thing with Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks just kind of goes overboard way more than Draymond. Because, like, yes, Draymond, I think, should have got that second T for that. Because I, I didn't actually see it live. I saw, like, kind of, like, uh, clips of it uh, on Instagram and stuff like that. And so I didn't see it live. But just watching it, you're like, dude, that's, that's not basketball. Like, what are you doing? It's the same thing they always, the argument for Dylan Brooks. They're like, that's not basketball. That's not a basketball play. Well, neither is Draymond. He just doesn't get called for it. <laughs> so, like, exactly. I thought he should have. But, I mean, you know me. I'm always going to, I always say Draymond should get kicked out, but that's just me.
0: <laughs> a true Grizzlies fan, man. i I'd love <laughs> to hear it. I absolutely love to hear it. Uh, these next two games in Boston, uh what's your temperature at with this and do you think it's a split you think boston takes both of them golden state takes both of them how do you how do you feel about this
1: oh i mean boston i don't know what their record is at td garden this playoffs but i know it hadn't been great because they've been having to win on the road as much as they have so i'm honestly with that in mind boston has to at least win one um And I say that mostly because the Warriors can go in and win too and make this 3-1 going back home to close it out. It can flip just like that. Um, So if I'm Boston, you have to protect home court. You have to at least get one. Um, And I hate playing like that because it sucks to kind of like try and split on your home court. Best case scenario is Boston's coming out of this 3-1, but I don't see that. I definitely see a 2-2. I kind of think we're going to get a close game here somewhere. Because um, even in that first, that game one uh, Celtics win, you saw the Warriors' third quarter prowess kind of show up, but Boston hung in there. So I think Boston's going to get their fans behind them. I think they're going to get their legs under them. Nice three-day rest between Sunday and Wednesday. Um, I, I think Boston can jump on them and kind of get uh, game three and be in the driver's seat. Because I, I think game three is going to be uh, a pivotal one for Boston. Um, more than the Warriors, because the Warriors do have that home court advantage and they play so well at home. So I think Boston's got to win Game 3, uh, but if they don't win Game 3, they have to win Game 4. This series is going to be an uphill climb for them.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I definitely think it's going to be a split, man, because um, just <laughs> I, I keep envisioning Hemi Butler's 47 big win in Game 6 last time uh, basketball was playing at TD Garden. Also, they... They did lose to Milwaukee multiple times at home. Uh, of course, they swept Brooklyn, but they did lose to Miami at home as well. And actually, their playoff record is better, you know, away from that building. That's what concerns me. But I think it can be a split. I, I really do. Uh, I think it'll be split going into Game Five into a massive game at the Chase Center, uh, tied two-two. Yep. And honestly, as an NBA fan, that's what I want. You know, I'm always always sign me up for new like more <laughs> basketball, but like just give me like two competitive games. I was, we were so spoiled with game one. And then the, you know, the ass whipping that was in game two was not, was not so fun to watch, but yeah. Uh, as let's move into some like off season move or off season news around the NBA last week, something that flew under the radar somehow, even though it's LA is the Lakers hired a new coach. Um, They hired him, I believe, last Thursday or Friday. And he came out and said, Darvin Ham is his name, by the way, he came out and said that Russ is one of the best players this league has ever seen. I mean, it's it's expected because, you know, he probably got the job based on his answers on Russell Westbrook to the front (laughs) office. So I expect him to defend him. Russ didn't have much to say about this. LeBron, of course, supported it because he probably handpicked the guy. Does this, like, change anything with how you feel about LA at all
1: <laughs> uh, if if you're rolling back out there with the same roster absolutely not yeah. um, I think this is a I, I think he could be a good hire as far as just a coach in this league um, but basically all I got from this hire was uh, we have another LeBron James uh, another guy that LeBron James played against in his career who's now a head coach in this league is kind of how I saw it Um. Which I mean, testament to LeBron. Like that's not a knock at LeBron for y'all. For those of y'all listening, like that's that LeBron's played against like six or seven of the head coaches in this league, which just is a testament to how long his longevity in this league. Um, they're definitely gonna have to do some moves this all season because um, if you run out with the same average age of eighty year old lineup like they did this last year, it's gonna be a long season again.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. They need to do a complete roster overhaul, but I don't even think it's possible with, with their Not salary cap situation, with the lack of draft picks. Uh Lakers are in deep, 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 deep shit, in my opinion, because... I agree. Uh, th- one, they have to... The blatantly obvious thing is the Russell Westbrook thing they need to figure out. Two... Anthony Davis was not healthy last year. He was in and out of the lineup as he's been the past couple years. Can he do that? And also um, the star of all all stars that was in the uh, scoring title race all year. LeBron did not play all the games either. I believe he only played about 50 52 games something around there so they have yeah. a lot of health problems a lot of roster problems and a lot of draft problems as well so
1: facts they have zero draft picks up in this draft uh, along with another team that uh, we definitely got to jump into uh here soon with the utah jazz but i mean if yeah it's that comes with age jack i mean when you're running out 37 year old guys i mean you can't expect them to play a full 82 game season um they, ha- I mean, I don't know what they need to do because it's like you said they're kind of strapped with the cap right now. They got an uphill climb. Uh, at the end of the day, I say this as a guy who enjoys watching them play basketball. Stop wasting Russell Westbrook and LeBron James last few years in this league, because mm. um, I feel like you're doing it with flying colors. Um, cause LeBron James was like, you already said, he was up for the scoring title. That dude was going to be like all NBA first team. If he actually played 82 games this season, which he's more than capable of. But I mean, at the end of the day, LeBron's not going to go out there just to stat pad. Like we kind of, we kind of alluded to it late in this season. Um, cause he's got enough wear and tear on his body as it is. He doesn't need some freak accident. Um, like maybe Jordan Poole pulling his knee. Um, to ruin his career also do you like how i slid that in <laughs> yeah speaking of jordan Poole, he did a whole lot of
0: bullshit last night did you see the Derek white thing Derek white went up for a layup and like was trying just to jump over jordan he wasn't trying to be disrespectful or anything he was gonna like trip over him if he didn't jump over him and it was just like a little like skip over him and jordan just like raised his arms up it looks like he tried to trip him maybe and the refs originally called a technical foul on it and then took it back because he was trying to quote protect himself jordan pool's been acting sus in these playoffs and you and i know better
1: than anybody yeah definitely sus and i mean i didn't technically see that if i'm being honest with you i don't remember that play um but i i did see this morning when i was like looking at like some of the uh news around the game uh someone said uh jordan Poole looked over to the sideline uh and saw two girls sitting courtside, and that's why he went lethal because apparently he was about to get pulled out of the game, and then he went nuclear. So he might have been doing it for some for some good good at, on the side. <laughs> exactly, bro. <laughs> he's,
0: he's always – he looks like the kind of guy, dude. Typical, like, light-skinned dude. He knows he's attractive. He's always doing it for the girls, bro. But, yeah. Uh, another, another Western Conference team we're going to discuss um, is the Utah Jazz – Cooper, this blow-up is even worse than we thought it was, bro. I'm going to let you (laughs) break that news and (laughs) tell us what the hell's been going on out in Utah.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, who would have thought that you and I were talking about the Jazz back-to-back weeks? I mean, this is just (laughs) ridiculous. Um, So, yeah, Quinn Snyder resigned today, um, and his quote-unquote says, the Jazz need a new voice. Um, And then you keep reading in this thing. He had two years left on his contract. uh, And then you hear that they tried to extend his contract. And so you're like, what is happening? Uh, Danny Ainge literally said we wanted to keep him really badly. Um, Which Jack, you and I literally said last week, he's a good coach. I don't understand why they'd want to get rid of him. Um, I just think they needed to do a little roster shuffle. Um, But, and then, to go along with his resigning of their head coach, you also get back news from Woj saying that Donovan Mitchell has been pulled out of trade talks, um, saying that the only way they would trade him is a monstrous deal, which Lord only knows what that means. Um, so I guess the only guys that are about to be moving are like a Mike Conley, Boyan Bogdanovic, and Rudy Gobert. Um, but yeah, Jack, this sounds like a dumpster fire, dumpster fire of all dumpster fires right now. Um, which I'm just, I mean, we were expecting something, um, but I did not expect it to be kind of like wild like this.
0: Yeah. The Quinn Snyder thing, I would, if I was in his position, I would do the same thing. I believe that was, I know this franchise is going to hell the next few years, so I'm going to leave here with my dignity. And also, I can get a job very quickly because I left and didn't wait around a year to have a crappy year and then get fired. So he's he kind of saved his yeah. own career with that. And I do not blame him one bit. The Donovan Mitchell piece is super interesting to me because not only did they announce that they're only going to take a massive deal, but as soon as Quinn stepped down, Woj also broke that he's you know donovan mitchell's unsettled you know which we all expected him to be after you know his coach for the past several years stepped down but i think those trade talks about how they're gonna this is complete speculation i'm not i haven't seen this anywhere this is complete speculation but i think utah is sending out smoke signals of we need we only are listening to massive deals I think they're using that for negotiation tactics and somewhat of like a smokescreen for the rest of the NBA of like, hey, if you want this guy, it's going to take something absolutely massive. And I think it's more of negotiation. I think they can, I think they would move off him if the offer was right. And I don't know how massive it would have to be. Cause I mean, just last week, the rumor was Miami would send a package center around Tyler hero with some draft picks mi- mixed in there. And that may be enough.
1: What do you think about that? I don't know what they expect to get is my issue. Like, I mean, you're saying massive deal. Are we talking like a, and yes, I know we don't really like this player, but are we talking like a, what the Brooklyn nets had to do to get James Harden away from Houston mm-hmm. with like four or five pick swaps? Um, a couple players like I mean what are we talking about when they're talking massive is my thing and I def I'm definitely leaning more with you as I think it's a smokescreen type of thing because you did see the rumors of like a potential Knicks with RJ Barrett being the centerpiece or a potential uh, Miami with Tyler Hero being the centerpiece so I think maybe they're just like well hey if they know that we're seeking more than what those guys offer maybe we can somebody's dumb enough to offer us more is kind of how I'm looking at it. Um, But the only issue I find with it is the jazz don't have a single pick in this upcoming draft either. Uh, So they don't have much like granted, they do have more future picks than the Lakers, but they don't have as much draft capital this year to even move up in the draft, get a rookie to put alongside somebody uh, or just young people in general. So they're in a kind of, Pickle similar to the Lakers just because I mean, I don't know what Bojan Bogdanovich's contract is, but I know it's not small. Um, Mike Conley's on like 25 million dollars, Rudy Gobert's on like 30 something million dollars, and Donovan Mitchell's on like 20 something million dollars. If I'm I could be wrong on that one, but that's a lot of money just built into four players right there. So I don't know what they're gonna do, but they better start working quick. And they and who knows? I mean, um, I don't know when the like uh, time gets lifted for free agency and trades and all that stuff to start. Um, but I definitely think if we don't see like at least three to four to five trades done by them and some good uh, free agent acquisitions done by them, that I think that they're in a hole worse than the Lakers
0: yeah I completely agree and not to mention that this is a late 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 time to lose your coach the Lakers were one of the last teams to hire a new coach you remember like th- it was crazy that they were waiting until June to hire a new coach much less somebody stepped down in June and then have to start the search so they're in shambles yep. right now man and like your superstar's unhappy. Rudy Gobert is getting shopped around. I think it's a complete rebuild at this point. And, you know, who who knows where they go from here. You're right. They may be in a worse position than the Lakers.
1: Facts. And speaking of uh, coaches, I'm pretty sure the Hornets don't have a coach yet Mm -hmm. either. Uh, Could you potentially see a Quinn Snyder jumping right to head coach again to the Charlotte Hornets? I
0: would hire his ass right now if I was Charlotte
1: i i would too what he
0: did with donovan and his development i would for Lamelo. oh my god i'd hire him and guess what else i'd do i'd get a center like we've been talking about for three years with the hornets
1: yeah shoot i mean i don't like rudy gobert but heck get snyder and maybe get his center back with him Mm -hmm. because i mean that'd be a perfect fit alongside Lamelo. somebody who just runs the runs to the rim and then a guy who defends on the other end and protects all the other exactly. crappy defenders on that team. So like I, cause the reason I bring that up is cause I noticed that Mike D'Antoni, uh, is going to meet with MJ today. And I, if I'm being honest with you, I don't see the D'Antoni MJ fit, but I wanted to ask you what your thoughts were on a potential Mike D'Antoni uh, Charlotte Hornets game. Yeah, dude.
0: First, just the Rudy Gobert thing you're talking about. I would love that because Charlotte lacks defense, and that leads me into the Mike D'Antoni thing. Mike <laughs> D'Antoni has no defense. Like, he's a offensive minded coach. He's a great. A genius offensive minded coach, but Charlotte does not need offense. They've had a solid offense. They need a just respectable defense right now. And Perhaps. they do not have that. And I feel like they have enough offensive weapons and guards around that to get Rudy Gobert to help the defense out. And yeah, I would I would not hire. I'd stay away from Dan Tony if I was him. I, I, I like Dan Tony. He's a he's a good coach. He's a good solid coach, but Charlotte's not the best fit for
1: him, I don't think. Uh 100% agree. That's why I didn't even think about the Snyder thing until now because I kind of forgot that the Charlotte Hornets didn't have a head coach because I forgot they got rid of Borrego, um, who is kind of a discount version of D'Antoni in my opinion. Um, I mean, you just said it best. D'Antoni is a genius when it comes to offense. I mean, dude, he had da- he made Daniel House look like a like an incredible basketball player at his time. at Houston, because, I mean, that dude would have 40 points on the Grizzlies every time. Um, And so, D'Antoni is an incredible offensive-minded coach, but I agree with you. The offense has not been lacking for LaMelo, Miles Bridges, uh, Gordon Hayward, uh, and P.J. Washington, those boys, and Terry Rozier. Um, Those are offensive-first guys, so, like, they need somebody to come in and kind of give a little more push they need these guys need a more push towards the defensive side because even watching Charlotte you can tell they're young based on how they uh don't try as much on defense um so I think that D'Antoni is a great coach but I agree with you I don't see the fit and honestly I think MJ will say the exact same thing I think it's more or less just D'Antoni kind of smokescreening trying to get his name out there kind of similar to uh what the Jazz are trying to do with um Donovan Mitchell trade. But the other finalist that I wanted to get into for the Charlotte uh, thing, which this could possibly change with the Quinn Snyder resigning, but uh, is a guy named uh, Kenny Atkinson. I mean, most people might not know his name, but, I mean, Jack, I love this guy. Uh, This is the guy that took the Brooklyn Nets team a few years ago when they had, like, Damari Carroll, uh, Jared Dudley, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis Levert. D lo I mean this was a Jared Allen uh can't forget about him but that was a fun team gritty team Kenny Atkinson is a gritty coach um and I think he also coached him in the bubble um but that's a fun or that might have been the same year I might just be talking crap out my butt but I think Kenny Atkinson's a great coach um do you like that fit more than a Snyder and or a Dantoni Dan Tony?
0: Yeah, I like it. I like it I like anything better than I think Dan Tony's kinda like your plan C or D. I like I <laughs> I've always liked um Kenny Atkinson, especially after that Brooklyn Brooklyn series. I think That'd be a good fit with Lamello. He's a blue collar guy with that thick New York accent he has. And he's been a solid assistant around the league. He's put his time in. It's time for him to get a head coaching job. And I think Kenny Atkinson would be great at Charlotte. If, you know, Quinn Snyder, that's top of my list. And Kenny Atkinson would be right there, right there, in my opinion. I agree. Uh, I agree. Let's move to another team out west. We talked a little bit about the Jazz and Lakers. There's another team in that Pacific region that has been targeting some people around the league lately. Damian Lillard's going to be coming back for the Portland trail blazers off a surgery, abdominal surgery. And it looks like they've been t- targeting Zach Levine and Bradley Beal. Does this make sense for Portland and your, in your estimation? Cause they just moved off CJ Um I think it could for one of the players and maybe not the other. How do do you feel about a Zach Levine in Portland or a Bradley Beal in Portland?
1: I'm going to be honest with you, and this is not a knock on either of these players, but both of those players lack the exact same thing that a Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum backcourt lacked, defense. I love Zach Levine. And I love Bradley Beal. They are incredible offensive-minded guys. They're incredible offensive players. They are not – they're probably the exact same, if not worse, than CJ McCollum on defense. So I think that would be the same – like I feel like you're just doing the same thing just with a different name. Um, So for me, I don't really like that that much. But then again, you also just hired a guy that we hadn't talked about yet. I'm glad you brought up Portland because I kind of forgot about this. But they hired our boy Mike Schmitz who is an incredible draft guy. So I think that they can build through in the draft with defense. So if they do a Zach Levine or a Bradley Beal, they definitely would have to get some defensive-minded guys in this draft, which I I just had to plug his name a little bit because we didn't mention it, but we both love that guy. So, um, But I I mean, I love Zach Levine and I love Bradley Beal, but next to Dame, I think Dame needs a guy that's going to be able to cover him on defense a little bit
0: yeah I I agree both of them are defensive liabilities if I had to choose you know it'd be Zach for me and Bradley Beal I think he's coming (laughs) towards the end of his career seriously I know he's not his age isn't real old or anything but he his year last year has just stuck with me and he had you know close to a scoring title year two years ago with Russ but I think Russ had a lot to do with that and two, they still did not win a lot of ballgames when he played out of his mind. I don't think Bradley Beal is a winning player. Zach Levine may not be either. I mean, these were his first playoffs, really, uh, this year. Chicago didn't go anywhere. And those two guys are defensive liabilities, like I said. And I don't know. I, it kind of took me off guard because um, I just don't know. But the Mike Schmitz thing, that is huge for Portland. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, with draft picks and you know their future outlook I think that is massive for them Uh, especially uh, with young guys that can come in and kind of change the guard as Damian Lillard heads into the sunset within the next five to six years so yeah I think that's very huge for Portland I'm glad you brought that up
1: yeah no I love him and uh I think he's definitely gonna help them make some less uh head-scratching draft picks as they've Done in the past couple of seasons, um, I, except for uh, my boy, my boy Anthony Simons. I, I do like that no, pick. That was a good one. I can fun with some Anthony, uh, Simons. No, no, like some right? Anthony Simons. You uh, know I like some Anthony Simons, but no, I, <laughs> but no, I, I definitely think Portland. Uh, they said they're going all in. Uh, that's why they got rid of all the contracts. They got rid of. They said they're going all in for some uh, free agents to keep Damian Lillard interested in staying because at the end of the day, I think Damian Lillard at heart wants to stay in Portland for his career, which I respect him the hell out of him for that, because that's exactly what I want John Moran to do for the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, but if, if I'm Portland, I'd be aiming for more of like a DeAndre Ayton type. Um, Cause that gives you a young piece and not that Bradley builders, Echolene aren't young. I mean, you just hit on it, but I don't know how much winning they're going to do. And heck, I'm saying this about a guy, DeAndre Aiden who literally didn't even want to come back in the game when they're getting blown out. Um, but I think a guy like DeAndre Aiden could fit well next to Damian Lillard. This isn't a great free agency class, which is kind of uh, what people were hitting on uh, when they were making all those trades and kind of clearing cap away. They're like, what free agent are you going for? There's nothing out there. Like, sort of that thing. So um, maybe a Miles Bridges. I know he's a restricted free agent, but I mean, they could pay him enough money to get him away from charlotte i mean there's a few guys out there in restricted free agency but the problem you run with that is uh the other team can match it um so i'm definitely going to be curious to see what they do they at least have some good draft capital um which i did notice uh this kind of leads me into one of my good questions for you uh they there were rumors out there that portland wanted to move out of the seventh pick and get a veteran-type player. So do you think they target – what position do you think they target with that, and uh, do you think that's a smart move for them to move out of that pick?
0: I I think it's going to be the two guys that I just named. I think it's going to be a shooting guard, a co-star to go alongside Dame because I think they're kind of giving up on investing in a center after the whole Nurkic uh, debacle. So I, I think it's going to be a shooting guard to small forward, maybe a bigger guy – I would expect that's why the Bradley Beal thing threw me off guard. I, I would see a bigger guard next to Dame because that's why they moved off CJ. And that's essentially why it did, didn't work because it was too small of a backcourt backcourt, even though it was lethal, they had, you know, massive problems defensively every year that, that uh, duo was together. So I think it'll be a shooting guard or small forward when it comes to the pick, I don't know, because they're in a tricky, tricky situation, because you want to be prepared when Dame's gone, but at the same time, he's got a few years left, and if you feel like you got a window, you got a window, you know? So, I could definitely see it being a dumb decision and a great decision in the long run. I, we will see, but if I had to pick right now, I'd, I would just go for it with Dame, to be honest. He's been loyal enough to stay around there, and that's what I'm hoping 12 does in Memphis, but... I think he owes it, or they owe it to him, to uh, do everything they possibly can to win a championship in his window, you know. And when the future comes, the future will come. But how do how do you view that pick, man? What do you, what would you do if you were Portland?
1: Honestly, I would trade out of it. Um, but the problem is, I don't know what they're wanting because, like, I mean, I think I think you're dead on it with the shooting guard, kind of a wing, sort of a thing next to Dame. But Bradley Beal just doesn't make sense. And Zach Levine's, of course, a free agent, so you don't really have to trade for him. So Mm -hmm. um, I think it would be smart for them to kind of move back maybe or just move out completely of this draft. Um, But I definitely think a defensive-minded, like a 3 and D type wing would be very, very beneficial for them because they have uh, Nazir Little who is playing pretty good – at the start of the season but he had an injury that ended his season. Um so you don't know whether or not he can jump right back into it. Um and they definitely need a guy like a Nuz Little um to keep them it's kind of it's kind of the same thing that we were talking about last week with uh the Pelicans. You don't really have a defensive guy other than Herb Jones and Jose Alvarado, so like you have to How can one dude cover up five dudes? You know what I mean? So I feel like they definitely need some just assurance on the defensive side. So if I'm them, if you're trading that pick, it's got to be for some defensive guys. Um, And, I mean, I don't really know any off the dome. The only one that comes to my head is Matisse Thibault, but I don't know if he's worth a seventh overall pick. Um, And at the end of the day, I don't think Philly would even do that. But he's, like I said, he's the only one that popped into my head. Um, And I don't think he's worth a seventh overall pick. But – um, I'll definitely be interested to see if they stay true to that or if they stick stick to that pick and uh, get a young 3 and D, potentially, guy to go alongside Dame. Because like you said, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Dame has a window. He's an incredible basketball player when he plays. That's What's crazy about this season is we didn't have guys like Dame, uh, PG for most of the year, uh, Kawhi for most of the year, Uh, or for all the year actually um so we were missing a lot of guys that just make this league fun so i'm definitely wanting to see dame get back and i think if i'm portland you do have a window um whether or not that's his entire career window i don't know because i think he might he might just get tired of y'all and go finish his career out somewhere else um i hope not because like you already said with 12 i want him to stay in portland because that just helps the small market teams but Portland's got to get on their high horse and start figuring out some things to pair alongside Dame.
0: Yeah, I agree. And there's only really a couple guys in the league that would fit perfect alongside Dame. And these two would never, ever happen. But the only two guys that really come to mind, a bigger wing that is competent defensively, would be Jimmy Butler and Devin Booker. I feel feel like those two would be perfect next to Dame. We'll never see that, but... Is there anybody else that really comes to mind as far as a star player that would fit perfect next to Damian Lillard?
1: A Jalen Brown, but you're not like they're in the finals. So you're yeah, not messing with exactly. that. Um, I mean, I mean, I mentioned PG uh, PG thirteen and Kawhi, but I don't think you're gonna get one of those guys. Maybe now is the chance to get one of those guys, just because I mean they come off coming off injuries, but I don't see that happening. Like you said, out of the star guys that would fit perfectly alongside Dane, there's not many. Mm -hmm. Um, You definitely have to go down to like the Dylan Brooks range to find a three and D type guy. That's, but he's not a superstar Mm -hmm. is the problem. So I don't. Like I said, they gotta determine what they're going for, and they gotta just shoot for it. So we'll be interested to see what they do.
0: Yeah, I really just feel like they're sort of handcuffed when it comes to this window coming up. Um, And you mentioned a guy that. Earlier that I just can't go without talking about. Uh, it's been weeks since we've talked about him, and we we're gonna talk about drama Moran. I posted a video of him today. It was of his exit interview. Of uh, his exit interview was fantastic. I strongly recommend uh, people watch it out there. But he had got asked about all of his injuries, and the reporter asked a very very good question. He was like. So all your knee injuries this year, did you feel like they were just fluky accidents, or was it something you could do with your body preparation in the off season or during the season that you can change? Why was there, you know, so many different instances where they happened? And his response was just like, I I just feel like my like my injuries were um, weird steps. Like, of course, I can always, uh, you know, improve my body, but I don't feel like it was that. I feel like it was just you know strange steps do you feel like it was more to his injuries you know maybe his landings or do you think it was just strange steps
1: uh i definitely think some of it ties into his uh just body type i mean he's he's not the biggest guy in the world and he doesn't have that much meat on his bones um but i actually haven't listened to the whole exit interview so i'm being a bad grizzly fan but i'm gonna have to go hit those up but i can see it being strange steps i mean you know jack you and i both know you you plant one way or another and it can tweak it just like that i mean knees are very very delicate and so i mean literally just the other day you and i were playing and you you i planted one time and i said oh there (laughs) that was the knee um i mean that's just it's that simple um so i can definitely see it being strange steps and i mean you and i always make the make the kind of like statement of, Oh, I get so scared every time I see him like come down on the ground, that hard sort of a thing. And I think that just kind of ties into like his body figure type. Um, and I think he said later on in that interview, cause I know that they were posting about it, that him, uh, I know Zaire definitely said it, but I know he also said he's going to try and get bigger. Um, cause I mean, he has been getting bigger since he's come to the league. So I definitely think that's a massive step to kind of help prevent injuries for him. Uh, as well as a lot of the other skinny boys on our team, like Zaire. <laughs> yeah,
0: facts. Uh, I'm, I was so happy when Bane said he was going to hit the weight room with Zaire. But, yeah, Ja, he had he had talked a little bit about building his frame more. Uh, I was looking at videos of him recently from his rookie year, and, like, he still looks super, super skinny. He needs to put on some more weight. But, like, compared to rookie year, he is he has. Like, he's, he's grown into his frame a little bit, and I think he'll continue to do that, and that will help. Um, I think the landings can improve a little bit because uh, it does scare the shit out of me whenever he lands like that. <laughs> but when you're just such a freak athlete, I, I cannot—I wouldn't be able to control my body if I could jump like that either. So, To, <laughs> to be fair, that, that would be dangerous for probably people in the first three rows. But um, yeah, yeah Joe, ja, I think I think I hope he bounces back for a healthy season because I mean he did miss 25 regular season this year and I just I hope for the Grizzlies sake he can come back
1: facts and if he does play a whole 82 game series or set to season uh the league better watch out because that's gonna be scary hours Mm. if if John Morant plays 82 games because uh he's on if if those playoffs were a glimpse of his progression uh that's scary hours because he was averaging like 30-something in those playoffs. So um, if he can just stay healthy, man, his career can be – sky's the limit. I mean, his his sky is still so – I mean, his ceiling is still so high. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that about him. And I love the fact that even after this team loses, they always say there's something better. Like they ha- they can get better at something. And that's every single guy on the team. And I love that because that's just – it builds camaraderie and it also shows uh, how un- unified you are as a team because not not the t- the top guys saying he needs to get better, just like the fifteenth uh, guy saying I need to get better. So I love that about this team, um, and I definitely can't wait for next season with a healthy Demetrius Jamil.
0: Just a way too early prediction. We haven't done anything in free agency. We haven't even had the draft yet, or even much less training camp. What's your expectations for the Grizzlies, just for shits and gigs?
1: Honestly, with the teams that are going to be getting their players back like a Dame, like a uh, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., like a uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, if the Grizzlies are a 4 or a 5 seed, I'm really going to be content with it. <laughs> um, I'm not going to expect them to come out and be the second best team in the league again. Because like we just we just got through talking about injuries. You can never predict that kind of stuff. Um we like you already said, we don't know the draft, we don't know the free agents, but we do have some pretty big free agents for us. Um in Tyus Jones and then uh Kyle Anderson and then my boy Jarrett Culver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um <laughs> But <laughs> so God, I
0: hope we resign him. <laughs>
1: Man, if Jared Culver's not back on the team, we're really going to be screwed. Yeah, the um,
0: fourth and fifth row is going to be thankful as hell for that in warm-ups. God, the shit he uh, been shooting is just rough.
1: <laughs> Sorry. Justice Winslow reincarnated. Oh, no, dude. Uh, but no, with Tyus Jones and Kyle being free agents, those are big pieces for us. Um, they're basically like two of the three veterans on this team. So, like, um, fourth or fifth seed... Um, I I'm, like I said, uh, I'm going to keep my expectations kind of tame on them because at the end of the day, uh, I don't want to set my expectations that they're going to be the best team in the league um, and then somebody get hurt and then we're struggling to get a play in. So I, I think fourth or fifth seed is very reasonable for this team going to next season. I don't think we're going to be sitting there projected at the 12th seed in the West again. Not Not again. They won't do it four years in a row.
0: Yeah, surely not. Surely not. Hopefully we gain some respect. But yeah, those are the exact numbers that came to my mind. I just want to be top five, top four see, depending on how competitive the West is. And I think it'll be super, super competitive. I think it's going to be a great year next year. But hey, before we get out of here, I mean, shit, the NBA finals is still going on. So I cannot Thanks. leave here without your game three prediction. I know we talked a little bit about the two game stretch but just to be specific on game 3 who you got at TD Garden on Wednesday night
1: I got to go with the C's um I know you it, the the people don't get to hear what you and I have to say uh off uh off script and whatever Thank but God. Uh, he always he always asks me who I got and I, I've, I'm sticking with the C's this time I can't I'm not going to pick against them so I I think I really do think they're going to get game 3 um i think we're gonna have a bounce back game from the marcus smarts the al horford's the peyton pritchard's the grant williams the robert williams i i think we get a bounce back game from all those because i think uh jay Tatum's gonna be the superstar that he is and get everybody else uh, involved um and I think they're going to continue playing great defense because despite the fact that that third quarter happened, they were playing pretty dang good defense up until that point. So mm-hmm. I think I got to go with the C's.
0: Yep. Uh, I completely agree with you. I got the C's in game three and Golden State in game four. Uh, I predicted it goes seven, and I think it will at least go to six to seven. Uh, is that all you got, Coop? And that's it. All right. Well, I hope you have a great, great night, my friend.
1: Yes, sir. You too.